Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Psalm chapter 51. Psalm chapter 51. Like I said, I titled this message, God, God's Love Never Fails. And the reason why is we are going to see as we go through this passage of Scripture what that really means and what David really understands that because of the circumstance that he went through. So before I begin with that, just to go to a background of our passage of Scripture, if you would please turn to 2 Samuel chapter 11, and this is going to paint the background of this psalm where we're going to get to, and this is going to explain why David wrote this psalm, okay? So it's a pretty long chapter, but I will but it's going to give us a lot of information and a lot of uh, head knowledge to what we're going to go over tonight. So 2 Samuel chapter 11, and I'm actually reading this out of the New Living Translation. So if your Bible doesn't match with mine's, it's okay. Just read along in your Bible. Okay, here we go. In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Late one afternoon after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find out who she was, and he was told she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam. And David, he is the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her, and when she came to the palace, he slept with her. She had just completed the purification rites after having her menstrual period. Then she returned home. Later, when Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant, she sent David a message saying, I'm pregnant. Then David sent word to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite. So Joab sent him to David. When Uriah arrived, David asked him how Joab and the army were getting along and how the war was progressing. Then he told Uriah, Uriah, go home and relax. David even sent a gift to Uriah after he had left the palace. But Uriah didn't go home. He slept that night at the palace entrance with the king's palace guard. When David heard that Uriah had not gone home, he summoned him and asked, What's the matter? Why didn't you go home last night after being away for so long? Uriah replied, The ark and the armies of Israel and Judah are living in tents. And Joab, my master's men, are camping in the open fields. How could I go home to wine and dine and sleep with my wife? I swear that I would never do such a thing. Well, stay here today, David told him. 
And tomorrow you may return to the army. So Uriah stayed in Jerusalem that day and the next. Then David invited him to dinner and got him drunk. Can you see where this is going? (laughs) But even then, he couldn't get Uriah to go home to his wife. Again, he slept at the palace entrance with the king's palace guard. So the next morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and gave it to Uriah to deliver. So Uriah is basically delivering his death sentence to Joab. The letter instructed Joab, Station Uriah on the front lines where the battle is fiercest. Then pull back so that he will be killed. So Joab assigned Uriah to a spot close to the city wall where he knew the enemy's strongest men were fighting. And when the enemy's soldiers came out of the city to fight, Uriah the Hittite was killed along with several other Israelite soldiers. Then Joab sent a battle report to David. He told his messenger, report all the news of the battle to the king. But he might get angry and ask, why did the troops go so close to the city? Didn't they know there would be shooting from the walls? Wasn't Abimelech, son of Gideon, killed at Thebes by a woman who threw a millstone down on him from the wall? Why would you get so close to the wall? Then tell him Uriah the Hittite was killed too. So the messenger went to Jerusalem and gave complete report to David. The enemy came out against us in the open fields, he said. And as we chased them back to the city gates, the archers on the wall shot arrows at us. Some of the king's men were killed, including Uriah the Hittite. Well, tell Joab not to be discouraged, David said. The sword devours this one today and that one tomorrow. Fight harder next time and conquer the city. When Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. When the period of mourning was over, David sent for her and brought her to the palace, and she became one of his wives. Then she gave birth to a son, but the Lord was displeased with what David had done. So let's look at verse 12, and then we'll look at chapter 12 real quick. We won't read the whole chapter. I just want to get the context of what Psalm 51 is about. So the Lord sent Nathan, the prophet, to tell David the story. There were two men in a certain town. One was rich. One was poor. The rich man owned a great many sheep and cattle. The poor man owned nothing but one little lamp he had bought. He raised that little lamp, and in it grew up with his children It ate from the man's own plate and drank from his his own cup. He cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. One day, a guest arrived at the home of the rich man, but instead of killing an animal from his own flock or herd, he took the poor man's lamb and killed it and prepared it for his guests. David was furious. As surely as the Lord lives, David says, He vowed any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole and for having no pity. And here's the punchline. Then then Nathan said to David, you are that man, David. You are that man. The Lord, the God of Israel says, I anointed you king of Israel 
and saved you from the power of Saul. I gave you master's house and his wives in the kingdoms of Israel and Judah. And it ha- and if that had not been enough, I would have given you much, much more. Why then, David, have you dis- despised the word of the Lord and done this horrible deed? For you have murdered Uriah the Hittite with the sword of the Ammonites and stolen his wife. From this time on, your family will live by the sword because you have despised me by taking Uriah's wife to be your own. With that as a background, as the context of the psalm that we're going to study, we're going to see what this psalm is all about. David comes to a place where he's just miserable. He's got guilt. He's got blood. He's got shame. And he is just ignoring the whole situation. And God brings Nathan and shows him his sin. And this is what David pens. Let's read Psalm chapter 51. Then we'll go back. This is a psalm of David when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone in with Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth, the inward being, and you teach wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear your joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, O God, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your way, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. Do good to Sion in good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the right sacrifices, in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings then bulls will be offered on your altar. (sighs) Let's really think about what we read. 
Here is David, King David. King David penned the majority of the Psalms. This is a man after God's own heart. In this time when he sinned, when he took someone else's wife, not only that, and he had him murdered, this is a guy who we look up to as one of our spiritual leaders in the Bible. This is a guy after God's own heart. And I could just imagine, just think about it, when God first chose David to be the king, right? You could, you could see he was a shepherd. He was out. He was out with God in the wilderness, taking care of the sheep. And, and him and God had personal intimacy. I believe David really loved God, just like you and I really love the Lord, right? We really love God, but we get into situations. We come into those circumstances where we fail God. Not only did David sin against God, it was a transgression against God. Transgression is something that is against a command or a law, whether you are cheating on a test or cheating on a spouse. You are committing transgressions that are not easily forgiven. A transgression can be a failure to do your duty. A sin is a transgression against God. Think about this, you guys. This is a man after God's own heart who penned a lot of the Psalms who the people of Israel look back to as a pillar of one of them. So right away we see from the very first verse that David appeals to God's very nature. And what is that? His love, right? I titled this message, God's love never fails. God's love never fails. When we read those scriptures in 2 Samuel, and we see how conniving, how deceitful, how wicked David is. It gives us encouragement that where we're at in life, no matter what we've done, we have the same access to the Father. Just think about your own life. I'm thinking about my life all the past years. I'll be 50 this coming June. And I'm thinking to all the past in my teens, in my 20s. In my 30s, when I got saved, after that, I'm thinking about all the transgressions, all the sins that I've committed before God. And then I'm like reading David's life, and I'm like, man, God, I've never sinned like David sinned. Right? And I'm like comparing myself to David because, man, I'm pretty well off. I've never murdered anybody. You know, we look at the big sins, but we don't want to deal with the sins that's in our own hearts. Do we deal with the transgressions that we do against one another? That we sin against God with? David appeals to God's very nature, and that is love. From God's love comes his mercy. 
David realizes and he recognizes, God, I've sinned against you. I know he's been walking like this. I don't know about you guys. When I transgress against God or against other people, there's no peace in my life, right? It's just hard to be around spiritual people. It's hard to come to church when you're bitter about something. It's hard to have relationships when others have hurt you and transgressed against you and you hold that stuff in. Be encouraged. Look at what David held in for the longest time. And then he appealed to God's love. And out of God's love comes God's mercy. If you have mercy on someone, you let them off the hook, right? You know that they've wronged you. You let them off the hook or are kind to them somehow. Mercy is the quality that has to do with compassion, forgiveness, and leniency. If convicted of a crime, you might plead for the judge's mercy, right? So whoever, who, who here has ever gotten a speeding ticket or ran a red light? You know you sinned. The speed limit says 35 and you're whipping down 45 miles an hour. Or you're doing 35 and you go 36. It's the same difference. You've broken that law. No matter how extreme you broke that law, you broke it. Mercy is a quality that has to do with compassion, forgiveness, and leniency. If convicted of that crime, you ask for mercy meaning a lesser punishment. When people, that's when people say, my God have mercy on me, right? God have mercy on me. From mercy comes forgiveness, cleansing, and healing. So David is dealing with the sin and I don't know how long he's been in this state. It doesn't really tell us. But I can think of my own life. And I pray I'd never go like months, years without coming clean. <laughs> because it, there's no peace. There's no peace in your walk with God when you're in this state like David is. And he's suffering. He's suffering physically, mentally, emotionally. He is suffering and he's dying on the inside because he has transgressed against God. His iniquity is very great. The definition of iniquity is this. Gross injustice, wickedness, a wicked act or thing, sin. The definition of iniquity is a sin or wrongdoing. An example of an iniquity is someone running into another person with their car on purpose. I don't know about you guys, but there are some people in my life where I, I feel like that sometimes. Well, you hurt me? Oh, man, don't let me catch you out in the parking lot. Like I'm in a customer service field, and I deal with accounts, and there's customers because I'm like the last person before the final result happens. 
And so, you know, they, a customer may call in and start screaming at one of the employees, and then I have to get involved, and they're just screaming, and I'm, I'm trying to remain calm. God, please help me through this situation. You know, I'm trying to empathize with what's going on, why their vehicle's not running, or why we picked it up, or whatnot. And, you know, with me, I've learned certain things, how to deal with people. I just quiet. I let them just talk. And sometimes I'm on the phone for like 30 minutes, and then they'll be like, they'll come back on. Are you there? Are you there? Yes, I'm here. I'm just waiting for you to finish. There they go again. Bam, bam. Are you there? Did you hear me? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I heard you. I'll just wait for you to finish. I can tell how I grew in that area of my life, being in that field. Because before, I'll be like, oh, yeah, go ahead. Come on down here. Let's handle this. Let's see how big you are. Yeah, yeah, come on. Right? Because we're people. But as a believer in Jesus, I have to handle things certain first to glorify God. Right? Sometimes we want to handle things that impress people, which I really don't care, give a care about. Because ultimately, we as believers, we have to stand before God and answer for our actions. So right away from Psalms chapter 51, verses 1 through 3, David appeals to God's very nature, his love. Because that's what God is. God is love. God is not a part of love. He's not a speck of love. God is love. And in his love, David finds mercy. So let's look at Psalm chapter 51. Let's look at verses 3 to 6. And the next thing David has to realize, he's appealing to God's love first. And then he has to acknowledge to himself what's really going on. Right? So Psalm 51, verse 3 says, For I acknowledge, this is David penning in the, you know, writing this psalm. He says, For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Can you imagine how miserable David must feel in this time? He's transgressed before God, he's killed somebody, he took his wife. And he's trying to go along like everything's okay. Don't we get like that sometimes? I know for me, when situations happen, I kind of manipulate the situation. Like, if I do this, I'm going to do this and do this, and this is be the outcome. And that's what David does. He slept with his wife, and then he couldn't get Uriah to sleep with his own wife to cover up what he did. So he couldn't do that, so he killed the guy. And David is probably so miserable at this point. He had to come to the realization that, you know what, I sinned against God. He had to, be, he had to have an honest assessment of where he's at with his relationship with God. He had to acknowledge the situation that he's in. And that's the first step of moving forward to getting forgiveness and healing, right? 
is we have to acknowledge where we're at with the Lord. If you're here tonight and you have an awesome walk with God, praise him. Continue to seek him. If you're here tonight and you have bitterness, you know, we could talk about sins that everybody can point out. But I want to talk to you about sins of the heart because, guys, I struggle with that a lot. Sins of the heart. Bitterness, jealousy, envy. All the sins Jesus talks about, that's that sin that you know, that I know, that we deal with. Psalm 51.4 says, Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. So David is writing this, and right here, he's saying, God, it's you and you only that I sin against. Not really. David had sinned against this man, against his wife. He sinned against his people. He sinned against God. But regardless of who we sin against, it's rather we rather it's a small sin, a great sin. Sin is sin, and that's falling short of the mark that God has placed for each and every one of us. So we have to acknowledge the situation that we're in in our relationship with God. We have to be truthful, and that's what David realizes. And this also points me to every, you know, we may sin against one another. You know, we may sin against our kids or our spouses or people all around us. Ultimately, every single sin is sinning against God, and we have to realize that as believers. So if we have bitterness towards somebody, or if we just are envy or, you know, you know what? You know what your problem is. I know what my problem is, right? If you have that in your heart, that is sin. That's something you and I need to deal with before it becomes bigger. And it affects our walks. This also goes down to the choices that we make. David made a choice. His sin was specific. And out of that choice, all the consequences came along with that. I mean, after this sin, shortly, the kingdom divided. And if you read First and Second Samuel, it stems from this sin. This sin wasn't just David sinning against Uriah or Bathsheba. It was against God. And if you read further down in Samuel from that passage, God laid out what he was going to do to David. So we have to acknowledge that sin is a big deal. And we cannot let sin be light in our walks with God. We can't. We can't compromise sinful behaviors, a sinful life against a holy God. You just can't. Right? I mean, you can't. All sin is against God, even though it affects others, because all sin will be judged by God. 
And whatever judgment will be, it will be just and what we deserve. Because God is the ultimate judge. Whatever he hands down to each and every one of us, to this world, it's going to be fair. Sometimes we listen to people and they say, well, why? They blame God for every, every single thing that goes on in this world, every evil that goes on. I hear it at work. I hear it when I'm around. I hear it on the news. And, and, I, and then we got to understand that we are living in an age where spiritual warfare is real, Right? It's like, do we really pray for the battle? Do we really go down on our knees and really seek God for the spiritual battles we don't see every single day? Not only in our own personal lives, but as a body of Christ. Not only as a body of Christ, but specifically in this church, right? There are battles that go on in every single church, in every single Christian's life that we, I mean, I'm talking for myself, that we just lightly skim over. I mean, we should be a body that's very encouraging to one another. We should be a body that's When we see somebody, a brother and sister that's in sin or just out there, what are we doing to help them out? Do we pray for those guys? Do we reach out? You know, I'm thinking about some of the people that's been in our fellowship that are no longer here. People I really had committed relationships with. People I really love. Do we reach out? Because God's kingdom is greater than these four walls. So God desires for our honesty when we fail him. Just like he desired honesty from David. When David acknowledged that he fell short, that he sinned against God, That's when he started to come to God and ask for mercy. That's when God started healing him where he was at in his walk. When we do that, guys, we grow when we are humble enough to know that we need God, right? We grow when we are humble enough when we know that we need God. 51.5 51.5 states, let me go to 51.4 first. Against you, you only have I sinned, David is writing, and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. 51.5, behold, I was brought forth from iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. So we can see right here in 51.5 that all mankind have sinned. The babies that are being born at UMC, covenant, they're sinners. I mean, they're not sinners, but they're sinners by nature. 
I mean, they come out and we were looking. I can, you know, I'm thinking about when we had our daughter and I'm looking, I'm like, man, she is so innocent. That is as pure of a person I look at and they're like just pure because they're just, be, they're just born. They don't have any effect of what the world influence has. But yet, because of Adam's sin, all of mankind has fallen. So David is telling God, God, I was conceived in sin. In 51.5, we have to realize that all have sinned. 51.6, behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. And that's all God requires of us is to be honest and truthful with him. And that's all God desired of David is to realize and be honest of his situation, to come to God for help. Okay, the next passage is going to be verses 7 to 12. In this part of Scripture, David must come to God, and we as believers must come to Christ, right? So, 51.7, purge me with hyssop and, and shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take away your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. When he talks about the hyssop, this is a reference to the blood. Every time the people of Israel sinned, something had to die. An animal had to they had to sacrifice in order to have right relationship with God. If you go and read through the Old Testament, and they did this throughout the year. So it shows us ultimately what sin affects. It's, I'm trying to make the point that sin is a big deal. And sometimes we as Christians make it so small like, yeah, it's all right to tell a lie. It's all right, it's all right to... Uh, you know, if you get more change back from the store, just go ahead and keep it. And we make light of those things when it's sin. No matter if I go and kill somebody or I take a, a, a piece of, you know, something that doesn't belong to me from work, it is sin and it hurts God no matter how big or small we try to make sin to be. And we realize that sin is big because Jesus paid the price for you and me with his blood. Sin is serious, and Jesus paid the ultimate price for us, guys. Jesus' blood purged us from the wrath of God. 
and his death, burial, and resurrection. His, his death paid the debt that you and I cannot pay. And David is appealing to God. He's saying, God, cleanse me from this. I'm so guilty. I'm so ashamed. And David realizes what he has to do, what ceremonies, ceremonial things he's got to do. Something had to die for him to come back and have a right relationship with God. For us in the new covenant, Jesus paid it all. He died. He died for you and I. And just think about this. No matter if you go out tonight or tomorrow or throughout this week and you sin, all those sins are forgiven. <laughs> that, that blows me away, right? Like, I don't want to commit sins that I'm already forgiven for. We realize the price that God the Father paid with his own son. When we realize that, we understand that we don't want to live a sinful life. We want to do what's pleasing to God, and that's living a righteous life. So David realizes that. He comes to God because of out of God's love, he finds mercy. He acknowledges his sin against God. He realizes where he's at with God. He appeals to God. Now God is starting to restore him. God is starting to restore David back to himself. And what about us, guys? When we come to Jesus, we are clean of all our sin. And we're washed and made white as snow. When we come, we find joy that's never taken away, right? The joy of our salvation is never taken away because it's nobody to take away but God's. God imparted that joy on you and I. When we come to Jesus, we find joy that's never taken away. Peace that surpasses all understanding. Confidence to to live this life no matter what we face. No matter what we face. We see it in our world, in our nation. We see how messed up this nation is. I was watching a debate the other day, and I'm listening to these people, try, you know, wanting to be our president, and they have no good answers for me. I'm listening to them, and they cannot give me a good answer why I should vote for any person on that panel. Not alone Republicans, Democrats, if you're neutral. But you know what? What I find joy, what I find confidence in, the Bible says that God puts up every government. Right? So even the messed up governments that we have throughout this world, God put those governments there. And that gives me great hope. Because I don't, I don't, I don't put my hope in those people. I put my hope in God-ordained whatever government are in place of today. Rather we like them or not, rather we see their views or not, I find confidence that God put those people in place. And then do your, do your part as a citizen of this great country. You know, do your part, whatever that is. I'm not going to step on that platform, but that's all I'm saying. Let's move on. 
Guys, when we come to Jesus, death no longer is an enemy for Jesus. Jesus conquered death in our behalf. We should come to Jesus as sons and daughters, no longer on the outside looking in. We're wanted, right? Doesn't it feel good to be wanted? You know, when you're a kid and you're, uh, you're, you know, what kids do, they go out there and pick teams. I've been on certain teams where I'm like one of the last to pick, and I'm like, I'm going to show every single kid on this playground what they missed out on, right? But when you're like the first kid being picked, it feels good. That's what God thinks of us. Hey, I'm going to pick you first. I'm going to pick you first. And then we read the Bible, the last shall be first. It's like it blows you away. You read Jesus' teachings. It's like everything. It's the total opposite of what we look at as far as being a successful, a success, right? It's the total opposite. Jesus says, you want to be first, be last. Be humble. Serve. Just amazes me. God is so good. As we come to a close, we are in 51, and I'm going to read from 13 to 17, and then we could close out because we have communion tonight. It says, then I will teach transgressors your way, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me, God, from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation. And my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I will give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. Here's what David got out of this whole thing with his relationship with God during this time of his life. This is what he understands. He comes down to understand the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. David is saying, God, you don't want my offerings. You don't want my sacrifices. All those are rubbish if their motives are all wrong. What God is looking for is our hearts, guys. And we in the new covenant, because of what Jesus did, Jesus says, there's going to come a time when the true worshipers of God are going to worship from the heart. And that's what David went back to, to those quiet times when he was totally aligned with God. Right? The man who penned the majority of Psalms, the man who was after God's own heart, who had all this knowledge of how to walk with God and yet chose the wrong path, he came back to God because why? God's love never fails. His love never fails. And his love will never fail you. No matter what difficult circumstance we walk in this life, physical ailments, 
financial situations. People out to get you. No matter what it is, guys. If you've accepted God and you've walked with him, you are complete in him. There is nothing we can do to make God love us anymore. There's nothing. And that's what David understood when he penned this song, as he appealed to God's love. Amen? As you all know, tonight's our communion night. And I want you guys to really take note of this. Sometimes we come to communion, right? Because I do this myself. Sometimes you come to communion and you don't feel worthy because maybe life has just been rough and you don't feel like you deserve to take the elements. You don't feel like you've lived the right life. You don't feel like I don't deserve to take communion with God. You know what? Communion is a celebration. You're celebrating what God has done for you. We're celebrating what Jesus done on the cross for each and every one of us. This is a time where we celebrate. Where we are reminded as people of God, how grateful, how thankful we should be taking these elements. So as the worship team sings a few songs, this is an open communion. You are right with God tonight. We should have no shame, no guilt, You are right with God. I encourage you, as you take communion tonight, celebrate. Celebrate your relationship with Jesus. Be thankful. And that's all we need to do is just be grateful and thankful. So, God, we come before you tonight. Lord, we are so grateful for the life of David. God, we see all his victories and we see all his faults. And Lord, this is a man that was after your own heart, God. I thank you, God, that we live on this side of the cross where you tell us that those who come to you, that you've sealed them with your Holy Spirit, God. As we celebrate communion tonight, God, we take what we learned about David and his life and his faults. And we know that your love never fails. We know that if we come to a dark place, that all we have to do is acknowledge you. Acknowledge the place that we're in. Realize that we belong to you. And that you are for us and not against us. God, that you love us deeply tonight. I'm so grateful for that, Lord. I thank you for the reminder.
God, we give you tonight. We give you this week. We give you our lives. We give you this church. We celebrate our Lord and Savior Jesus. We celebrate his death and resurrection and his ministry interceding for each and every one of us here tonight, God. God, no matter where we're at with you tonight, Lord, if we're having an awesome walk, we praise you. If we're having a difficult time right now, I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would just reign, that you would saturate the hearts that really need a touch from you, God, that we would experience you tonight, that we would fall on your grace and your mercy. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.